Welcome back to Crime. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Bokutev, today's office is Aleph and Baba Karma. Start with the last line on Pam Bay. Stunner button. I saw them. We're talking here about Eretz Yisrael and about various rules and regulations that they had. They did? Yes, they did. I saw them on Yeshua. Famously, when Yeshua came into Eretz Yisrael, he said, look, you guys got to live together. It's not easy. It's a small country. Everybody's on top of one another. Even though you're all going to get your own share, but you got to have some rules and regulations, some decency to your human neighbors. So let's just let's just set the rules straight and let's not be mocked upon one another. Number one, Shemri and Bacharshan. Like we were Maran Bacharshan. We had that before. That's why it's brought down here. Maran Bacharshan, that you're allowed to graze your animals in somebody else's forest. Now we'll say all these are going to be stipulated and qualified in a minute. So before you say, what do you mean I could just go in somebody else's yard and eat up everything? No, no, no. If a guy's got a thick forest and you've got a small animal, not a, don't make a big fuss about it. It's not going to injure you at all. If it's a big animal, <laughs> then you're not allowed to. Or if it's a, so, so it all depends. But in general, he's telling you don't be so mockbid if it's not really a loss to you. When we're locked at eight, some sort of saying you're also allowed to pick uh, pick little, you know, firewood chips in the fields, which anyway a person's usually not mockbid about. Right, or for fodder for her animals. You're allowed to also gather grass. Again, we'll see what it's talking about, what kind of grass. But you're allowed to for your animals. In any field, except it's a field that has tilson. Tilson is um, is a fenugreek. And we'll see why, because the fenugreek, apparently the grass was necessary for the fenugreek. We'll talk about that also, different kinds. We'll get that later on. Also, guy's got a good tree, and the tree is not really producing fruit yet, except that's a tree, and you're just going to cut off a little shoot so you could replant another tree from that. Also, you're allowed to, it's not going to be injurious to the tree, except if it's the stump of an olive tree, because we'll see again, that could be injurious to the tree. Let's say, in your field, all of a sudden, water's gushing out. All of a sudden, a well comes out of your ground, and it's going onto somebody else's field. It's, it's, you know, it's irrigating the whole area. You can't say, that's my, that's my water, pay me for it. Can't do that. You're allowed to, uh, everybody's allowed to have an So again, the Mephoshim Seto says that it's not, you can't go into the guy's field, right? And, and also, it's not if he dug the well himself. Let's say he dug the well himself, and he, he dug it, and he spent, you know, years digging it up, and he expects to get a return on his investment now. He wants to bottle that water and sell it in those little, you know, May Aden bottles, whatever. So he wants to do that. That's different. But if it just came out by itself, again, the well is considered to be public property, even though it came out on your property. It's assuming that it came out on your property, and it's going into other properties. All right. You're allowed to go fishing in the Sea of Galilee, right? You're allowed to go fishing there. As long as you don't spread out. Kel is a sail. Rosh explains what Elian is. It means that you're going to put branches in the middle of the ocean, and that will hinder other boats from getting there. Now, we're talking about a net is okay. They could fish with net that doesn't, as long as it doesn't hinder other boats. What you mean is you can't put out any um, stumbling block that would hinder other boats. So if it's Kel, the Amazon would hold up a boat. A person also is allowed to relieve himself behind the fence. Now, what does that mean? A field of Sodom even if it's a field of saffron, saffron was expensive. <laughs> We're talking about, uh, you know, number two over here, you know, okay. navigating. So, oh, okay. it's more than that. Yeah, that, that's, that, that We're talking about a field of Sodom that's where it it you see it started here. That's how it got You want to know why you don't see this in Toronto and you see it over here? Karkum is saffron. It, number one was good smelling, so you might think it's good smelling, you mess things up. Right, it's fertilized, whatever, but it's also basically it's expensive. You're allowed to do it. And again, what, what do we mean over here? So what's the Kiddush in that? You're behind the gate, behind the getter, behind the fence. What's your problem? So we can all explain what it's speaking about. 
<coughs> after fields, you know, there's a, there's a season. They 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 uh, plow the field, they seed the field, they cultivate the field, then they harvest the field. Now there's a time between harvesting and the next season when they plant again, when the field doesn't do anything. So generally, unless a guy's really a jerk, he's going to allow people to walk on that field. It's not doing any harm. So he said, you're allowed. And I think tonight they made was, Yoshua uh, said, listen, be nice to one another. After the should mean when people generally allow others to walk on the field because it's after the harvest, you're allowed to do that until the second rain comes. Second rain, the seventeenth of Macheshman that we learned in Tanis. Once that rain happens, then it's already the season. You can't, and you have to stop. In the winter, because of the mud and the water, so the the sides of the road actually get a little bit of a ledge coming up. And uh, it's hard then to walk. After the winter, it's hard to walk without tripping on those things. So you're allowed to walk on the side, even though you're technically walking in somebody's property. So you can walk on the edge of my property, which is adjacent to just Robin. Again, you're allowed to. Mistonk means you're allowed to go off to the sides of the roads, even though you're on my property. Another rule he made is, let's say somebody gets lost in a, in a vineyard. He's lost. He can't get out of there. Now, it's not like regular with roads. In a vineyard, you can easily lose your way. If it's really, you know, if it's high and you're stuck and, you know, there's, there's stuff, there's stuff holding you back. So there's You're allowed to cut it down as you go up and cut it down as you go down. As you're actually allowed to take a, you know, a sickle or, or, uh, whatever, a machete and, 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 uh, and cut your way out of it even though there's some loss to the owner. The last one is the famous call that a May Smith, a person who's found dead with nobody, no kin, nobody taking care of him. He has to be buried in that spot. There's two ways to learn. Some say that it has to be buried in that spot, and is that the owner can't complain. Or some say that he's allowed to be buried in that spot. In other words, that you don't have to go take him to basic forest because we're concerned that until you get there, there's nobody going to take care of it. You know, that you're better off just burying him here. In other words, if you know for sure if there was a Hever Kedisha to take care of him, you could take him to the basic forest. Uh, that's one way to learn, but, but, but if you want to, you could bury him here. And the that you have to bury him here and you can't complain about that. So we'll see. So these are the ten things that Yeshua was metakin when he came into Eretz Yisrael for Yeshua social. But Yeshua was, was metakin. Yeshua qualified ownership here. Right. Where did that definition of ownership come that he had to qualify? No. How did we know? Oh, because they, because he was mechalik the land to the tw- to the twelve so that's tribes. Chalukah. That was a real chalukah. So they defined. A yeah, yeah, that's ownership. Did yeah. Qualify ownership. Yeah, he said, yeah, but he said you own it, but you have to give in. In other words, it's still yours, but you have to give in. No, no, he's saying you have to give in. No, he's saying it's you own it, but you have to be a man. You have to allow people so to do these kind of things. If I dig down a hundred meters on my property, mm-hmm. I own that. Right. Yeah, you own it. You own it. You own it, but the government, right? You own it, but the government can say, but the government can say you own it. However, there's certain stipulations. For example, we want our meters to be on your house. We want this to be on your house. He's saying we want you to allow certain things to happen. And if you find a dead body in your yard, that's a spot. Well, you're a coin, a little problematic. But in general, you know, right? You know, Ben John, that's the rule. If if that's what Yeshua did, then the definition of ownership is unqualified, absolute. With the exception of what the government says. No, in the Torah, but I'm just saying, where did it come from? What, what the fact that he gave out the land? Because he said, Hashem said, give out the land. Tell him to give out the land. You're going to get Yerusha. Hashem tells him 100 times you're going to get Yerusha. No, but you could interpret that 50 ways. You could. Right, right. So you, I don't know, you could say you own it. Look, you own it. In Jewish law, the definition of ownership is you can sell it. You can give it away. You can do with it as you please. They could do that here. So that's ownership. 
Yet it has these stipulations. So you want to call that not ownership, but they could sell it. They could be Makadish Nisha with it. You can give it to Karka. Like, remember, yeah. there are countries that up until very recently they have no ownership. Had no private yeah. ownership, yeah. 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 right? Yeah. So yeah. we yeah. take yeah. it for granted. In the Triumph, in the Triumph, in the famine with Yosef, what did they do? They gave away their land at the end. It was theirs. It was it was owned by individuals, and then they gave it to the government and said, "We'll work for it on a commission." So there is ownership. This is this is real ownership, except you have these stipulations for the common good. That's the idea. For the common good, that's what you have to know. Now, if you count these cases, you'll see there's really 11. We said it's Asara Tanam Hisni Yoshua. If you count them individually, each one comes out there's 11. So we'll see. The Gemara is going to ask us later on. The first one is that you're allowed to graze in others' in others' uh, forests. It's only if you have a small animal in a in a thick forest. If it's a small animal, a small forest, or gasa bagasa, or, or a big animal in a in a uh, a big animal in a, even in a thick forest. Right, big animal, low. Vikolshkin gasa bedaka the And certainly, if you have an anim- a big, like a cow, big animal in a small field, a small forest, where he's going to do tremendous damage, then you're not allowed. So again, everything stipulated within rules. How did Rebbe know Yeshua meant that? Oh, that was a Kabbalah that they had. It was all Kabbalah. Sure, all this is a Kabbalah. It's not written in the Torah. Any of this is all Kabbalah. Gemara. That was a tradition they had. Malak the Eitzim said a saying: You're allowed to gather uh, wood from the fields for your animals, for your whatever lawn, and that will be his mivigi. That's only wood that we're talking about is these thick kind of bushes, like thorn bushes. Avo b'shal Eitzim low, but not other trees. You just can't go and take some of these trees out of there. Not just like bone. Yeah, that's me. That's how again. That's how it started. <laughs> that's only what if they're still attached in other words the owner hasn't really put any work into this he's got some wild bushes out there and you want to grab a few for your animals or for your firewood that's okay but only if they're still attached if he cut them down already you he's already made preparations for him to use them himself you can't even if they're attached if they are still moist when he's dried them out that means if once they're dried then the owner's already thinking about using them for firewood and cooking etc in any case when even when you're allowed to take them out that's only you shouldn't uproot them you should just cut down a little bit and don't destroy the whole bush except for a fenugreek if you have, if you have a field with fenugreek you shouldn't take away the grass because apparently then the grass is beneficial to the plant. Remember the Tilson Malwa Summer, you tell me that Tilson is good for Malwa Summer, Summer is good for the fenugreek for a minute. Many Tilson should also, in a sudden, let's say some fenugreek grew up with some other kinds of grass, now it's a question of climb. You don't have to uproot the, you know, the, the Besan would send the watchmen around guards, and if they saw climb, they would uproot it, they would make you take it out. He says, you don't have to do that. You know why? Because anyway, the grass is so bad for the fenugreek, and the fenugreek is an important, it's a good plant, that people will take it out anyway. It's like you will weed it out anyway. You, as a farmer, you wouldn't allow that to happen. So what do you see here? You see that that the, that the grass is not good for the tilson. So how can you say that it is good and therefore you shouldn't take away the, the grass? It depends if it's for seed or if it's for the pods, for eating. If it's for seeding, then it's bad. Then it's bad for it and therefore you're allowed to take it out. What we were talking about before, you shouldn't take out grass there. Uh, it ruins it. If it's for the pods, for if it's for the pods that, the part that, uh, that you're going to eat, not for the seeds that you plant to make it grow, but for the pods that come out that you're going to eat, then the grass is good because when there's grass around it and when it sits on that, it it's, gets soft and it, it's more easily edible. And therefore, that's what we mentioned before. Before we said you're allowed, you're, you're allowed to take grass from any field except if it's grass around a tilson. We talk about grass around tilson that's being used for, for the pods, for eating. 
That's one answer. That it depends on you talking about the seed, different parts of the fenugreek plant. Is it the seed or is it the pod? Both are talking about the same thing. Yeah, different stages of the same plant. Both were talking about the same thing, whether let's say, but they're both pods. But one is where it's for people, one is for its animals. That's if he planted it for animals, then he needs the grass too, because the animals are going to come and eat that, they're going to eat the grass too. You know, they, they need, uh, they need something, he doesn't want to just give them the expensive food, you give the animal some good stuff, and you also give them the, the main, like the, the bread. So that's the bread for the, for the fenugreek. So if it's for animals, then you're allowed to take it. Again, you're not allowed to take it away, as we mentioned before, because it's important. But if it's for anim- for, if it's for humans, then you're allowed to. How do you know? As one know, we're not talking about different stages. We're talking about the same pots. I don't know if it was planned for him. Or Papa, Sharon, Sharon, if he put it in rows, you know, like rows, like you plant that in Slaughter. But if you didn't put it in those and you mixed it all up, it's not organized. That is for animals, because for animals you're not so much. For, for men, for human consumption, it's got to be cleaner, it's got to be more organized, you want to keep the grass away, etc. Alright, you're allowed to cut down, you're allowed to cut a little shoot off a tree to replant it and make yourself another tree, in all cases, except for the stumps of, of the, of the uh, olive tree, because that can ruin the tree. So now he goes on also to qualify. It appears from times come for Barias. These two rabbis explained it. His name Bryce, Barias, or something like Bryce. Bryce, I guess, is Greyish. Barias is Jewish. Mishum Zakan, after the name of one Zakan. Barias Kabea. If it's a olive tree, you must leave at least the size of an egg from the bottom of the ground. You can't cut anything below that because that would ruin, if you take a shoe off of that, it would ruin the tree. The Kalm Kavanah, if it's just reeds or vines, from the knot, the place in the tree where, you know, it grows, the stump grows up and then it branches out. So you can only do it above the, if you do it below the pakak, that can ruin it. The Shakalinos, and other trees from the thick part of the tree. In other words, you can't cut below, you can't take a shoot off from below the thick part of the tree, because that could be injurious to the tree. Not from the center part, but rather from the thick part. Also, where are you allowed to take off a shoot from a new part that hasn't yet grown fruit? If it grows fruit already, again, you're afraid you're going to ruin the tree. Also, you're only allowed to take apart from the part that's, that, that, is, that does not see the sun. In other words, the sun doesn't, doesn't hit that part of the tree. But if the part that see, if it sees the sun, the sun, which, you know, the photosynthesis and makes the thing grow very well, from, in other words, from the, Good part from the Megadim. The Megad here means the Megadim from the, uh, the, the, you know, the precious foods, uh, the fruits of the sun. The sun is, is the good part. So again, you can't take the, can't cut off a shoot from a tree that grows fruits or from the part that, um, that is all facing the, the, facing the sun. That's right. That's right. That's right. But it already sees the sun there, so you can't take that part. Right. right. So Allah says that you have to pay for it. We allowed to, again, we said before, it says that you, you can take water only if it's on your land. In other words, it hasn't, it's, it hasn't left the owner's land. And also if he hasn't dug the well himself. But even when you're allowed to take it, Rav Huna said, yeah, pay him for it. Because again, the idea is that the, if the water just sprouted out by itself and it's leaving the owner's land and it's going to other places and irrigating the whole valley, that was, so to speak, Mena Shemayim. You know, the water's coming underneath the, underneath the ground, and everybody's entitled to that water. Why would you have the same Havaman in all the other cases? That? Hey, just by my, why don't you have why would he think so? Saying? We don't know that way. Why would he think I so? I know that, but I'm saying, why wouldn't he think so? Maybe there's more of a value on water. Maybe he thought of more of a value on water. Because it is emanating from his land. I don't know, maybe because there's more of a value on water, and the other things are... are uh, 
are regrowable. You know, we'll just what do they call them? They're renewable, renewable resources, resources. <laughs> right? Renewable resources. That's what they call them. Then? <laughs> That's what they call them. Renewable resources. As the tree is renewable resource if it keeps growing, right? Whereas the water is not. It's all in the Gemara. You're allowed to fish, but don't spread out something which will hinder the Yamanus of Sfina. Abel Sadu, here he says, but you're allowed to, to, uh, hunt fish, with, with nets and with traps. So you see, you're allowed to use traps, you just can't use something which will hold up, you know, it's, you know, it's, the, the, the sea is fair game for everybody. You just have to be fair about it and you can't stop other, other, fi- other uh, fishermen from coming there. Tarabon. The origi- originally, the tri- 12 tribes <laughs> made a deal with one another. They should, they, they, that was part of the original thing, and as, so to speak, it, it sounds like even without Yoshua, you know, it was understood that you, you gotta let everybody have an equal shot at it. The same thing we said in Yoshua, same thing we just said before, uh, is that, said there's a price, but you could capture, you can fish with nets and traps. With the first of the wide lines of the Gemara now. On other days, the 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 um, Sea of Galilee, the, it was called here on the Yamash Afera, is in the Chelik of Naftali Haisa. Below Odel Shnato Molech. Now, in other words, even though it's in the Chelik of Naftali, but everybody's entitled to fish there. Below Odel Shnato Molech Avucharim Bedroma Bedroma. Besides the uh, the sea itself, which we, he was given, he was also given a small patch of land, like the length of a rope, for his fish for his nets. Malich Avulcham for for his nets, Bedroma in the south, in the south of the sea, Lakayim Meshenemar Yam Vederom Yerusha. To kind the word, he got the he's got the Yam, right? The Yam, which normally means west Yam, Vederom, and south of that he will inherit. Why do we? That's interesting. Why do we assume that the Kinneret is open to everyone if it was in the field? Why is why is water different than land? Like the only source of, uh, fish. But but in the Chalukah didn't say that he got yeah no that's what he said that's what he said he got that he got the, he got the he got the water but it was understood that that what that part wasn't that was he also public. got land it was understood that it was public, public right it was understood but, it was public but why do, why the land was not the water the water the, the yam itself with the fish the yam with the fish the fish wasn't his that's what he says that's what he says yeah the Torah says he gets the yam the Rosh but but but. But um, when Yeshua gave it out, Yeshua said, the deal is, it's yours. The like, users must own it, but everybody can fish there. He might have been able to sell it, but if he sold it, that the, the rights okay, to the fish right in there would have gone with it, would have continued. Right. That's the point. He did own it, but it was every, everybody could use it. Of course, he wouldn't let anybody go over through to bury to get there. And, and don't forget, all the areas around and all the, all the things, those are his, right? So he can, he can, right. he can you know, rent those out, you know. Tanya Rabbi Shimon Lozer Amr. Pollution, Shabbatim. If it's if it's uh, um, stuff that's been cut down, trees or plants, vegetation, whatever. If it's talush, Shabbatim, Ches Kishol Shabbatim. It belongs to everybody. If it's if it's already like fall off like apples or whatever, that fell off. You're allowed to take because of Shabbatim and them. Umuchubarim, Ches Kishol Shabbatim. What's mechubar to the land, trees and things like that? That belongs to that particular. Um, the, the particular tribe who owns that land. There is no Shevet that didn't get all kinds of property. Everybody got different everybody no, everybody got you know, in everybody's chalik there was some mountainous areas some plain areas some dry areas Negev is Russian of Nagov to dry that's why it's called the Negev because it's dry down there right uh, or, and, and the valley valley is usually you know moist the water runs down there. Negev means there is no, there are no trees, there's no vegetation. The sun just beats down on it and dries it up. So every chaylik, every shevet actually got these areas. Shenemah, the Pasuk says, Penu usu lachem, uvo haramari. 
Now Yisrael conquered the land of the Mori. It's a come to the Mori. Those who are the Koshkhan, we're going to come back to that. Barava, Bahar, Bishfail, the Negev, Chofayam. So, now they all didn't get Chofayam, but they at least got Arava, Har, Bishfail, Negev, Chofayam. Obviously, they couldn't all get Chofayam. The Chedat Sots of Kadamaprism, and you find the same thing. By all, not only the Mori, but all the tribes that lived in Eretzal prior that we inherited had all of them. How do you know? Uva Morem, Shinemar, he takes out the words of Sam Shinemar, Bel Koshkhanov. Not only the Kanani, Right, you started there, not the Mori rather, but also all its neighbors, because it's much with the part of Koshkram, all its neighbors had all these kinds of properties, and when, the, and when the 12 tribes got their land, they got part, in each, in each chayl, they had land similar to those that had mountainous areas, dry areas, amic areas. So you see that the Shechem had the same kind of land that the Mori had, and which we inherited from them. But if you're not going to get you're allowed to <coughs> relieve oneself behind the fence. So if you start a shimalei karkam, what's the chiddush in this? You're behind the fence, what's the problem? Like you say, like Irving says, you see it all the time. As long as it's a lito, hang on its floor. If it's a, if it's a, uh, there's a, there's a thick fence there. A person, they didn't have toilet paper and things in those days. People used rocks and stones. The point was that it was permitted to even take a stone out of the thick wall. I'm going if it's, a, if it's a thin wall, then you're making a hole in the wall, you're affecting the wall. But if it's a thick wall and you're just taking a little pebble out of the wall, you're not doing any damage. Also, the Farshim say on Shabbos, because it wasn't really attached. It was a wall with loose stones. So you're allowed to take that even on Shabbos. And that's what we're speaking about over here. Not that you could, not that one can relieve himself behind the ghetto. There's no chiddush. The chiddush is you could even take one of the stones and even on Shabbos. Marzut Chasida, he was a chassid, shuffle, he would do that. Umahadir, and he would return it. He would return, let's say, the next day, we would return the stone. The Amun of and he would tell, he would tell, it's understood, that was understood. And he told the Shamas, Zilshika, go um, fasten it well. In other words, you know, use some uh, mortar, you know, whatever. Shamas and, and, did that. But he returned it. In other words, he wouldn't walk away with it, even though he could have. You're allowed to walk on, uh, even in private uh, fields, after the harvesting time is over, on the top of the Dun here in uh, in Bavo, when uh, you know the land is not a good land like in Eretz tal kashala, even if it just even if there's just dew on the land a little bit. Now they say until when the second rains come, then everybody don't mess with the land because that's going to affect the heart, you know, the the seeding and the planting and the cultivation of the land in Bavo. Even if just a little dew comes down, uh, it's it's very bad for it, and you can't you can't uh, use it then. Now, and you're allowed to, again, because of the pegs, he calls them pegs, but Rosh explains that it's really uh, the way, the, in the, after the winter, the mud sort of, the, you know, people are walking in the middle of the road, and the side of the road sort of gets a, a height. It's like a peg, not that they planted pegs there, but now in the summertime, so the side of the road really could, you know, you could trip on it, it's hard, so you can walk on the side of the road in somebody's private property. And they said, these two rabbis have a shakli vasi bor. They walk on the road. Have mistalik shmuel tzidrachim. Shmuel walked on the side. Now, where did these two rabbis live? We know Shmuel lived in Nardar. They lived in Babel. Amr Rav Yura to the Anshiyas and Yeshua feel the Babel. You know, the Yeshua was talking these things for Eretz Yisrael. We're in Babel. Apparently, you hold it. They hold it them even in Babel because you're walking on private property. Amr Shani Omer feel the Chutzlarets. I say even the chutzlars, it was wherever there's a population. Those are rules of life, of so, social needs, and it makes no difference. Yeshua brought them in there. He also said, use these rules in Eretz Yisrael. But uh, even the chutzlars, he held the rules apply in Rashi. He says, Kolshkein in Bavo, because there's a lot of traffic on the roads there, especially between Bavo and, and Eretz Yisrael. So he held that the rules apply there as well. 
Rabbi Rafi, another story with two rabbis. They were walking. Havishakli, Rafi, of course, was his uncle. They were walking. Havishakli, Vazli, Borch, they walked on the road. They went to the side of the road. Havakamifsav, also of Yudubin, Kunusa. Rav Yudubin, Kunusa was a Talmud. He didn't go to the side. He rather jumped. He was very careful. He was a young guy, I guess. And he would jump from peg to peg in, in the, uh, Mishra Saram, not taking advantage of the Takana of Yeshua. He went in front of them and he went, Amalei Rebbe Lerofiya, Who's this one who acts like a big shot? In other words, Yeshua said, you're allowed to walk in the side of the road for the common good and for safety, etc. And he's like saying, oh, I'm not going to use Yeshua's takana. I'm going to stay this. I'm going to take my chances here. Who's one who acts like a big shot? Is that possible? He's up ahead of us. Is that possible? Is it possible? Is it possible? He's my Talmud. He means it well. He doesn't mean to show any gaiva. He meant L'shem Shemayim. When they, when they came near him, they saw him on the lay, told him, if it wouldn't be that you're Yudav and Knus, in other words, we know who you are, and you meant to L'shem Shemayim, but it had not been you, because I would have cut off your, your, uh, your calves, or you know, your muscles, whatever, your joints, the gizzard of Parzula, with a, uh, with, you know, scissors, or with, or with an iron scissors, with an iron saw. What he really means over here is, I would have put you in Cherem. Because who are you? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be mazalzum what Yeshua said. Yeshua said you're allowed to. So you shouldn't try to show that, you know, that it's better not to. Better don't be mitakin Yeshua because, because you're going to set a bad example for others. Right. Mahadrin, right. It's not Mahadrin, Mahadrin. Yeshua said do this. The common good. And like the guy saying, you're, right, right. But they're machmer, which can cause damage. So he says it's better not to, better to take advantage of what Yeshua said. If you're lost in a in vineyard, you can cut your way out. So first, this price, it tells us an example where you see somebody else lost in the karam. You see a friend of yours lost in the karam. You can help him get out by cutting it out for him. Until you get him out of the vineyard. Take him back to the city or to the road. Get him out of there. You're allowed to do that. So first, he tells you about you helping somebody else. Then it says, who. He himself, a person of Shatoa ben Akramim, Mavsik vol like we saw in the Brisa, because of Yeshua. He can do that. What's the Chiddush? If you can do it for somebody else, why can't you do it for yourself? What's the Chiddush? It's different when I'm doing it for somebody else. When I'm doing it for somebody else, the other guy's lost and I'm helping. That means I know my way out. So that makes sense. I can help him his way out because I know the most direct way out without causing too much damage. Who? But if, if I myself am lost, there's nobody help me out. So we ought to have to that I don't know where to go. And I'm going to be running around in circles and maybe cause lots of damage. Load of sick. They shouldn't be able to cut anything down. But rather than the I should rather revert my steps. Walk, just walk back where I'm not doing any damage. Not cut my up. I walk all the way back and then go all the way around around the field. I might think that's the rule. Come on, you could do both. That I only, I'm not only, not only am I allowed to cut you out where I know my way, but even if I'm totally lost. I can find my way as well. Again, what, what's the Chiddush? That's a Takan of, of Ezra, uh, of Yeshua, rather. It's a Takan of Ezra. It's a Dreyse, the Tanya. Hashavah's Kufmanayim. You're supposed to return somebody's item, right? You lost something, Hashavah's a baby. You're supposed to help you find it. How do I'm supposed to return him himself? In other words, I'm supposed to help you get well. If you're injured, i got to take you to the hospital. That's also Hashavah's a baby. I'm returning your soul to yourself. Tanya Hashavah's Kufmanayim. Tanya Hashavah's Kufmanayim. So, Right, so what do you see over here? I'm, I'm helping him get lost. He, the guy's lost there. He might die. Of course I can help. So what do you mean? It's a, it's at the corner of Ezra that I can help ma- get out. I, I can help, uh, I'm helping, uh, I'm helping him because it's a derisa. Helping myself is also a derisa. Returning, helping myself get well and get out is also a derisa. I'm returning him, I'm returning myself. It says derisa, the Kabbalah Minatora, just means you gotta save him. 
hysterectomy, go back and get them around, the, uh, go take the long way around the border of the Kerem. Also, who talking to Mopsigal or Mopsigal? Yoshua's Takana was, you don't have to take the short version out just to get him to safety. You can even cut your way out. There was a Takana of, uh, of Yeshua. Sure that you don't have to pay? You don't have to pay, yeah. yeah. Just going. Well, that's, that's the Takana, to help one another, to be friendly with one another. You know? Because what are your options? Your options are, there is clearly... The There's an option to go the long way out. The long way out. So, based on... But, in, uh, but it was in an agricultural society, especially where olive trees were, a very, you know, or vineyards. No, no, it's not olives. Vineyards. So the were very it's just that it's a very common thing. And you don't have to pay. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, you got yourself... You're lost in there. You're walking around. Property. Yeah, yeah. You could have gotten out another way. You could have not gone in. Apparently, the, the, but, you know, you're not... You're, you're, the, 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 loss, the loss could be described as minimal. It could be, you know. if you, you know, Obviously, if a place where you can get out without doing damage, you can't do damage. You know, if you go, like, in Tuscany, where everything is nicely you know, right. ordered, and, you know, you walk here, you know, then maybe not. But if in a place where you're lost and you can't get out, obviously, means you're lost in there. And the only way to cut out get yourself out is with a machete, then you're allowed to. If you find a dead body lying on the main road, you put him off on the right side. Now, you don't bury him right there, but rather, you turn him off to the right side of the road. Or to the left side, get him off the road. Continue the yeah. <laughs> you know, bury him first. Let's say one side was a fallow land, and one side was a plowed land. Put him on the fallow land, because the side of the, the plowed land's already been worked. Why should you you know, why should you bury him in a plowed land where the guys put some effort into it already? Might as well bury him in an empty land that's not being used. So I never said, let's also, if one's a soda that's been plowed, one's a field that's, a field that's already been planted. So there's a greater loss to, to bury him in the planted field. So I never put him in the plowed field. How you stay in Boros? Let's say the Boros, they're both fallow, they're both shanious, or they're both uh, plowed. Shanious, they're both seated, they're equal. So the flannel market machine put him either, either way. You can have a choice either way. The point is, what do you see? You saw that you can move him away. The time you just said cut him a coma, you got to bury him right in that spot. Here you see you're allowed to move on the side. It says thing about where he's right. He's he's literally on the on the uh, he's not on the side of the road, but he's literally on the road. You know, oh, he's, he's he's on the road itself, like a mater meaning on the border crossing into the Rishisarabim, and therefore you can't leave him Rishisarabim. Right, just around there, you can't leave your car and you have to walk, you can't bury somebody in a public road, so you have to move them already. So once you move them, you move them into the area that will cause the least damage. They didn't hmm? have basic cars in those days? They had. He's saying, but, he's saying, but you don't have to take it. So he said before, you don't have to take him to the basic forest. It's Kona Makoma. Because we're afraid that if you, there's, nobody's going to want to take him to the basic forest. Nobody's going to want to settle. Nobody knows who the guy is. And they'll just leave him eventually there. Right? So, uh, so better just to bury him right there. Reduction it looks also once you're allowed to move because you can't bear him just rob some of Amri. so now we've gone through all these cases and we've described the qualifications, etc. Amri, Asara, honey, Asara, honey chatzon, if you count them, there's actually there's actually not ten, but there's actually eleven. So it says Mahav Shlomo Amra. The answer is that one of them, that you're allowed to walk in a private land after harvesting time before the next season came around, 
was said by Shlomo. It wasn't from Yoshua Kitanya, Aresha Kopar Osama Sada. Your 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 produce is already out of the field. And still, even though you have no loss, you have no, nothing in the field, and you still don't allow people to walk in your land. What do people say about that guy? What does he get out of, out of keeping people out of his field? And what are they doing? They're not damaging him. It's like, it's not as big as Chaser. If a person is, is over in Zenahan of he's considered miserly and unfriendly and not social. Allah B'Kasr, the Pasuk is about him. If you could do good, don't be called bad. That's not really a quote. It's a paraphrase. It says it not in the quote, but it says, initially it says, it, that's really a paraphrase of the following Pasuk. It says like that. It says, Don't keep good from its owner. In other words, from doing good to somebody. If you could do, if you have the power to do some good, and it's not something where it's not going to cost you anything, or not going to cost you significantly, then you should you shouldn't uh, hold back from that. So that post, that was said by Shlomo, and therefore there were ten left for Yeshua. In fact, there was only ten or eleven, even if you count Shlomo. But there's others that Yeshua said. The Sulek of Ikur Abuda. When the winter time comes around, and people would take their their dung and their other stuff out there, their uh, crops, and put them out in the street. Other Moses all you could put in Lushus Ram, you could put in Lushus Ram, the Tsovro and Pyramid of Koshloshim for 30 days, Kanesha, Inisha, Braglad, Babema, so that it should be trodden upon by people and by human beings. And then it turns into good fertilizer, and then they use it for fertilizer. So why are you allowed to do that? And people could slip on it too. But you're allowed to do that. Shamanas came, him filled Yeshua, the Yisrael Asarits. That was one of the Tanan that Yeshua did when he, when he came to Israel. He said, you have to allow the pu- people out to do that stuff in the public, because it's for the common good. So you see here, there was a Takana that Rebuta said, Rebuta quoted as being a Takana of Yeshua. We have another Takana here of a different time, Rishua Baroshavrocha, Tanya Rishua Let's say I have a beehive. And all my bees went, they left the hive, and they went into your field. Now if I try to get them like one at a time, they're not going to come back because they want to go to the hive. What I'm allowed to do is I'm allowed to go into your field, cut down the branch on which that beehive is, is and take the whole branch and put it back in my field because that's where the bees will stay with the hive. I crossed you, I pay, but I cut down your branch, I'll pay you for the branch. So it wasn't enough of a coach show. Chabayro, to save my beehive, and also I'll pay you for that. I'll pay you for that. That's already a substantial thing. A whole, a whole branch of a tree. I'll pay you for it. That's when I'm allowed to do it. You can't, and you can't say no. You can't cut it down. It's in, they're in my beehive now too, but you can't do that. Right, but tonight, Bess, and this is another time, she is that for sure. Let's say we're walking around. We each have, I have a barrel of wine, you have a barrel of honey. Honey is much more expensive. And your barrel broke. I'm supposed to pour out my wine. So Takana, save your honey. And the cost of the, of the wine, which is, let's say, 10% of the cost of honey, I'll recover when you sell your honey. Right? I should pour out my wine and save your honey, Shachabero, for no command me talk Shavan, and you'll pay me back from your advash, Shachabero. Let's say my donkey is carrying wood, and your donkey is carrying more expensive flax, and your donkey died on the road. There's only donkey, only can I carry one. I go throw off my wood, which is not as expensive. Take your flax on my donkey, and you'll pay me back the cost of the wood from the from your fish dump. <laughs> much more, much more. I don't know what it is now, but it's much much more. I guess it depends on the kind of honey. That's kind of what. No, maybe maybe you know maybe milliliter to milliliter. Maybe honey is much better. Huh?
Even they're more expensive. And here's a big difference. Right? So you see here that there's several more takanas that Yeshua made. So why do you say there's only those ten? That's I mean, our Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah. Everybody agrees that those are the ten. These, these, this town of Shmobar and Shemelka and the town of Yura, they felt that these were the things too, but that was not agreed to by all. But, but in other words, the, the general group of Tanam that everybody agrees to all that there were ten. There were other Tanam, well, there was a few more. Like, is that so? Robin, Robin Robin was an Amora. Not only a field, not only if the tree is totally in my field, but if it goes into your soda, right, that, that leans over your soda, or if it's right near the border, so it's getting some uh, nourishment from your, from some other field, still maybe the Kari, I could still bring Bikon from them, I bring Bikon from them, and I read the whole thing that Shinasatali that you gave it to me, so I'm asking you, she was said, Plant as much as you can. We need an agricultural society. Plant right up to the border. Plant right up to the, uh, you know, to the next guy's field. And you're allowed. And it's considered yours, and you bring the whole thing yourself for Bikurim. So you see over here that there was another tonight, and this is the Rebbe was an Amora. So before you say it was a Machlokas Tanam, our product said that said ten. That was that was ten that everybody agrees on. The other ones were a Machlokas. Other Tanam said there were others. Here it's Rebbe Alchon. Rebbe an Amora. How could he disagree if that was a if that was a price? It was said by everybody. The ten. So how could Rebbe disagree? Elamantana, so who's the one who said, I saw that we started with, I saw Tanan, she's in Yeshua. Who's that? So Shuman Lev. was also an Amor. In other words, yes, the Bryce that we started off with, I saw Tanan, was a Bryce uh, said by Shuman Lev, he was an Amor. Who? Rav Gurubek still studied, in fact, Maslod Hayes is the favorite. The Rav Tanchem Bryce, I'm Shemzak and Echad. Remember, we had them before, and said, who is that? Rav Shuman Lev, I saw Tanan, he's in Yeshua. In other words, the, the Bryce that we started with was a Bryce uh, that was quoted by an Amor, by an Amor of Shuman Lev, who said, that he held that there were ten. He held, he held like the Tanam that there were ten, uh, like the Tanaimus that there were ten, uh, uh, ten. Wasn't Yeshua? That Yeshua did. In other words, the Amor of Yeshua quoted the Brisa as saying that there were ten conditions that Yeshua said, ten Takanas that Yeshua said. Other, other, uh, people, like the Yochanan, who's an Amorah, so he held that he had a Kabbalah, that there were others. He disagreed. He says, Rabbi Shimon you said it was only ten. I disagree. I have a Kabbalah that there were more, that there was two more. And there were other Tanam who disagreed and said that there were more than that too. So in any case, there was several more. There was, uh, there was uh, possibly up to twenty different kinds of Takanas that Yeshua made when they came into Eretz Yisrael. All right, we'll pick it from here from the two dots tomorrow, Mr. Shem. That's that's Rabbi Shuvah ben Levi. Those are Shuvah, different Shuvah. No, I understand, yeah. but but yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, he called him Shuvah. Yeah, yeah. Shuvah's a common name. Yeah. I have a grandson, Shuvah. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you very much.